www.realinvestmentshow.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. So Fed, interest rates, inflation, all this stuff has certainly been weighing on the markets so far this year. Lots of volatility. Markets have you know, retested the lows from October. Um, lots of concern lately about, you know, we've been getting a lot of emails. But, you know, is, is the market about to crash? You know, why am I invested in stocks when, you know, it's apparent that the world's coming to an end? Geopolitical crisis, um, you know, whatever. You know, and, and certainly lots of concern. Um, and the markets have had a huge run since March of 2020. And the problem is now is now trying to navigate whether this is just a top and if this is a top in the market and we're due for a bigger correction or if it's just a consolidation process that we may be stuck in for a few months and then the market takes off again on its next bull leg. Right. So, you know, there's certainly a lot of things to consider. And if you're trying to, you know, manage your own money, it becomes even more difficult to do the work. You know, it's interesting. There was a interesting uh, survey out this morning, and it showed the average amount of time that people spend researching purchases. Right. So, for instance, you know, if um, people spend seventy-two percent more time searching out electronics online. In other words, doing all the comparative research, they spend about 43% of their time when they're looking for apparel and accessories, right? Doing shopping comparisons. Is Am I getting one thing better at a better price over here? I like this item. Let me go do all the reviews on it. When it comes to stock investing, people don't spend any time at all. <laughs> they just buy an ETF because the market's going up or they buy some stock on television because somebody told them that, you know, it's a good stock or they took a tip from a friend. But people spend very little time actually doing the homework required to invest in the financial markets. And then they're, they're surprised when something goes horribly wrong, right? And, and, and you buy a stock like a Peloton or a Shopify and can't understand why this company that was touted to be the next coming of the uh, of the Messiah has now gone from four hundred dollars to a hundred, and you're trying to figure out how you lost so much money in it. But this is the problem, and, and so managing money on your own is always very difficult, particularly when you get into a very unknown environment like we're in now. Again, Fed's going to hike interest rates. You've got the Fed tightening their balance sheet later on this year. Well, they're going to tighten their balance sheet up front, but then they're going to start reducing it later on this year potentially. So lots of headwind risk that we didn't have last year. Last couple of years was really easy. You had $5 trillion in liquidity, $120 billion a month in QE, and zero interest rates. You bought anything, it went up. We were all a genius in that market. It's going to be a very different environment over the course of the next year. But again, you know, make and we talked about this yesterday, making a one-sided bet on anything um, is likely going to leave you on the wrong side of the, of the trade. And this is going to be the big challenge. It certainly seems like right now the best thing to do is just be all in gold and bullets and beanie weenies, and you'll be fine. The problem is, is what happens if this market takes off? That's going to be the real question. Mike, your thoughts? This market is much more difficult. And, and going back to your example with retail, how we spend so much time looking at clothes and electronic goods, mm -hmm. we also spend so much time trying to get the best price on those. Right. We wait for them to go on sale, you know, a 20, 30, 40% off sale, and we jump at it. When stocks go on sale, when they're down 20, 30, 40 percent, everyone sells, right? They're doing right. the opposite. They're, they're scared to death. When stocks are overpriced, I mean, you can make an argument now they're overpriced by 40, 50 percent. 
Hmm. People can't buy enough of them. It's such a perverse behavior, right? We don't do the research. We buy at the hot. We want to buy the higher the price, the more enticing it is. So I think, you know, as you think about managing money, you have to separate out those odd biases that investors have and try to get those same biases that you have as a consumer of goods, right? Look for things that make sense. Think about the environment that you're going into. Try to make sense of everything. Don't necessarily follow the herd, right? Uh, you know, and I think as we look ahead, Lance, what you said is so important. The environment is changing, right? And we have to understand that. Doesn't mean, you know, like you said, we have to buy, be in all gold and ammo, but it, it does mean that we have to spend a lot more time thinking about what we own, where we will sell what we own if something happens. So, so putting on risk levels, risk mm -hmm. management levels, what does it take for us to say, you know what, we were wrong, we're going to sell this. Uh, conversely, what does it to say, take to say, you know what, we are wrong, we're going to buy more stocks because this is happening or that is mm -hmm. happening. And, you know, we're, last year was uh, the fundamentals were just so much in your favor. This year, the fundamentals are tougher. So our technical analysis becomes very important. When are we breaking through levels? that are warnings, you know, both up and down, breaking above levels that say, you know what, we need to buy. We're on buy signals across the board. And I get that the Fed's raising uh, raising rates and doing QT and they're very hawkish, but technical indicators are saying the market's going to go higher. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think what's a little harder this year than last year is that you got to be a little quicker. You can't, the benefit of the doubt is a little bit, is not as easy as it was last year, right? Because of the Fed, because of the liquidity. Well, so, and, you know, and I think there's a, another thing that we really have to focus on, you know, psychology wise in, in this environment. So let's, let's go back to talking just for a second about buying things on sell, because this is the, you know, this is the thing we're always told, right? So this is the very basic investing lesson. Buy low, sell high, right? Seems pretty obvious, right? That's what we want to do. If we buy something cheap and we sell it expensive, we make money. But to your point, and, you know, this is the thing that we, we don't do. And, and there's a couple of reasons we don't do this. One, when things are on sell, we immediately assume they're just going to keep going lower. So I don't want to buy it. And it doesn't matter what the fundamentals are. But the other problem comes into the fact that we've now turned, you know, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, back in the day, <laughs> you know, um, people bought stocks and the average holding period for stock was between six and eight years. And so they would buy shares of General Electric and they didn't really worry about it. And when earnings were announced, it took three or four days before the earnings actually kind of filtered through everything and got to the Wall Street Journal and got to your doorstep. And you read the Wall Street Journal and say, oh. General Electric came in and they reported earnings as a penny less than expected. Nobody really cared at that point as a penny, right? So, you know, but today, because of this immediacy of information and because we're so driven to every little tick of every little uh, movement in the stock price, um, you know, we're seeing these these massive swings in stock prices based on a, a penny miss in estimates. Uh, you know, a good example we were talking about yesterday, Viacom um, actually had very strong revenue. Uh, uh, subscriber growth for their business, you know, but their earnings weren't as good as expected. And the stock was down almost 20%. And this is a stock that trades very fundamentally cheap relative to their peers like Netflix and others. But it just goes to show you, in fact, 
this whole season, companies that Mike and I were talking about this yesterday, and I found a chart this morning. I put it out on Twitter. The we looked at we were Mike and I were discussing the fact that this earnings season in particular, we've seen stocks get hit very hard for missing earnings by just a fraction, or just even having you know, they may have met earnings but just had weak guidance, and it had big declines in the stock price 10, 15, 20 percent. In fact, this season is the largest on record for the median decline of a stock that missed earnings. And so we're having these very outsized moves, but we immediately assume that because something is now cheap that we don't want to own it because it's going to keep going down. And the, the, the problem about this is that we're so tuned now to having to beat the index. If you bought a, a basket of stocks that were truly undervalued and were willing to hold them long term, you will make money in them. You'll make a lot of money but you're going to underperform the index for a period of time. It could be a year, could be two years you underperform the index, could be three years. But truly investing in value will make you long-term. Unfortunately, Mike and I, since we manage money for clients who have you know, a bias towards you know, pacing markets, et cetera, we don't have that ability to run a true fundamental value fund. This is why we have to have a technical overlay with our portfolios and why we have to manage risk as we do. But if Mike and I had our had our dithers, we would be buying deep discounted value stocks and we'd just sit on them, collect the dividend and wait, because eventually those value stocks are going to make a lot of money for investors. But just investors in general don't have the patience to wait for it. So this is what Mike was talking about a second ago with technicals is that we have to blend this value basis of buying cheap with technical analysis so that we can better navigate markets as 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 they are and and this is and so when we come back from the break i want to talk a little bit about and let's just use viacom as an example because you know here's a value stock totally beaten up how do you go about buying something like that how would you position it in your portfolio how do you size that risk in your in your portfolio if you're going to make a bet on it and then where do you actually kind of navigate being wrong. At what point do you say, hey, you know what? My thesis was wrong. How do I get out of it? Or my thesis was right. How do I buy more of it? So when Mike and I come back from the break, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into this um, because, again, it's psychology that's so important. That, you know, Really, when it comes down to investing and navigating and managing a portfolio and, and running your own money and doing it yourself, uh, Ben Graham once said that the biggest problem for investors is ultimately like to be investors, the investor himself. In other words, your own psychology. And the biggest mistake we make as investors, as individuals, is not really what we buy. It's generally when we buy it and when we sell it. And that is generally all emotionally driven. We tend to buy the peaks. We tend to sell the valleys when it should be exactly the opposite of what we're doing. We'll come back. We'll talk about Viacom as an example um, and talk about if you were going to buy that position, as a fundamental investment, how would you do it? How would you size it in your portfolio? How would you put it in there? How would you monitor it? We'll kind of get through a, a kind of a case study of buying a stock in a portfolio so maybe you can apply that kind of principle to the rest of your own money. Be right back after the break. The Real Investment Show. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show this morning. Uh, Michael Lee was joining me. So. Um, just for the break, just talking a little bit about, um, you know, how to size and build a position in your portfolio. This is one of the questions that we get, you know, very often from investors because, 
you know, we talk a lot about risk management on the show. Why do we manage risk and how do you do it? And, you know, if you're trying to manage your own money, this is why we, uh, Mike and I created SimpleVisor.com uh, because it basically takes a lot of our research that we do and we apply it for you so you can just have access to, to a lot of the tools that we use um, in terms of evaluating stocks. You can do stock screens based on our technical and fundamental ratings. You can look at our technical analysis for individual stocks. So there's a lot of really great information there to help you do kind of your own homework. And as we talked about before, people really don't do a lot of their homework, but at SimpleVisor.com, you can try it out free for 30 days, see if you like it. But there's a lot of our tools that are already there uh, to help you kind of navigate some of these things. But what we said is we want to talk a little bit about Viacom just as an example. So here's a stock that currently trades at a PE of, of seven, uh, basically a four PE of eight. And, you know, has about a three and a quarter percent dividend yield. Now, this stock was absolutely crushed in the latest kind of earnings announcement and was was trading around thirty six dollars a share. It's currently trading around thirty. So big decline in the stock price. But if you take a look at the fundamental values, price to sales ratio, price to earnings, price to fundamental values of, of various types, you know, this is a stock that is clearly a undervalued company, but if you've owned it for a while, and, and I've got a chart here by Mike's face. <laughs> so if you've owned it, it's just been losing money. And you're like, well, yeah, but I'm still collecting the dividend. Be careful with that, right? You're getting a three and a quarter percent dividend yield if you buy it today. But this stock is down 50% from the peak. So if you tried to own it for the dividend, you've lost 50% of your money. But yeah, you're still collecting a dividend. But that's just the, the dollars it pays out in terms of per share dividend versus its price. So if you lose 50% of your money and, on, and getting a three and a quarter percent dividend yield, it's not really you know, worth it. So never buy a stock just for the dividend. The dividend is always kind of that third leg of a total portfolio return. You have income from your bonds, you've got capital gains from your stocks, and you have dividends from your stocks. Those are your three parts of your total return of your portfolio. So never buy a stock solely for the dividend because value do, because price does, does is important. But if you take a look here, and I said, okay, look, stock's been beaten up. I want to add it to the portfolio. I want to start buying it. How much of it do you buy? Well, this is where Mike and I talk a lot about risk sizing. Risk sizing is very important. Think about it the same way as betting at a poker table. If you have a, mm, a pair of twos, do you bet all in, right? Or do you bet small and maybe try to see if you can uh, you know, catch a couple of cards from the river or whatever it is, and, and if you're playing Texas Hold'em, and you know, build a better hand and bet more in the future. So it's always about managing that risk of the bet you're making at the time that, that you make that bet, right, Mike? And it's, again, technical analysis. What is technical analysis really at its core? It's measuring the psychology of buyers and sellers of that stock, right? That's what support and resistance and so many of these different patterns are trying to show. Are, buyer, are holders buying more on dips? Are sellers getting more aggressive? And so when we, you know, you look at the fundamentals, it's a cheap company, but what are the people, what are the people that own it doing? Does it continue to hit lower lows or is it hitting higher highs? And as you talk about sizing it, you know, whether you have a pair of twos or a pair of kings, mm -hmm. you, you, you kind of start laying your bet. And there's nothing that says you have to buy it. You know, it, 
it's 20, you know, it's 20 percent off sale today versus where it was a day ago. That may seem great, but like most sales, it could be 40% a week from now. So, you know, if you buy it today and you got a 20% off, save some money. You might be able to buy it 30% off tomorrow and leg into the trade. Get a feel for how it trades. Wait for support, right? right? Just because it fell 20% doesn't mean the bottom's in, right? Here's the other thing, Lance. Go back to mid-December and we're, we're back to those same levels. So all it's done is a round trip over about two months. Mm -hmm. It's like gone up and it's gone down. And by the way, in mid-December, Viacom, AT&T, Verizon were all the rage. Those companies had a very good end of the year. They did really well. And people couldn't buy enough of them. Now, they just told you that they, they added more streaming clients than Netflix. They're the second biggest. They had, they had the second biggest ad behind uh, mm -hmm. Disney. And... And their revenue increased sharply. No one wants them. They're on sale. Their earnings were poor. There are reasons for that. But, you know, so so it's we always have to juggle the technical. And again, let's not call it technical analysis. Let's just call it the psychology of the market. What are buyers thinking? What are sellers thinking? Where do they where what levels are important to them? Right. Is there a level where all the sellers just keep coming out? that's a meaningful level. And that usually happens around where they buy it, right? When they start losing money, that's where the sellers start coming out. When they start making money, they tend to buy more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to juggle. Yes, it's it's cheap, right? That doesn't mean it's a value well, stock per se. And, and let's go back to sizing because that was the, the point of this conversation is talking about sizing a position. So first thing is when you're buying any position in your portfolio, you always want to make sure that you don't over concentrate your portfolio in one position. So kind of a rule of thumb is to never have a position in your portfolio more than 5% of the total. And the reason for that is, of course, if that if that company wakes up tomorrow and it's an Enron and goes to zero, you're going to lose 5% of your portfolio, but it won't cripple you to the point that you can't recover financially. If you've got 20 or 30% of your portfolio in a stock and that stock goes to zero overnight, which happens, it does happen in history, that you don't completely destroy your financial capability of retiring down the road. So always size your position. Never overplant any position in your portfolio on a huge bet that you are, you know, you're convinced you're going to win. Because when you're convinced to that type of degree that you're going to win, probably something's going to go wrong. Um, so if you're going to if you're going to own five percent of uh, Viacom in your portfolio or three or 4%, whatever that number is for you, wherever you feel comfortable. Like Mike said, it's down 20%. Buy 1% of your portfolio into Viacom. See how it goes. If the stock starts to recover, you can add 1% to it. If it breaks technical lows, so the, the, the kind of the critical stop points, if you take a look at the chart, is those lows going back to December. That's the lowest level the stock's been at in years. So I use those lows as a stop. If I break those stop levels, then I close out my 1% position. You know what? It's just I, it was the wrong time to buy it. There's more sellers than there are buyers right now. The stock's going lower for whatever reason. So step out of it. If in four or five days or four or five weeks, that stock bottoms and starts to form a, a more significant bottom. And, and if you kind of go back to December, so this is a good example. Things don't always work out the way you want. If you go back, look at December, the stock was bottoming, had a very nice double bottom. 
and then it took off, started rising, and you go, okay, well, look, stock's starting to recover, so you buy 1% of it, and it's actually doing fine until January, then it falls all apart again, goes right back to where it was. Right now, it hasn't violated those lows, so there's no reason to sell, sell your 1% position. But if we do break those lows, which are now very important because we're retesting those lows going back to December, if we break those, now I need to step out of the position, wait, and look for the next bottom. If you start to buy in your 1% position and the stock starts to go up, then you add to that position. And you keep adding to it until you ultimately get to your 5% position. No, you're not going to buy the exact bottom, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to ensure that you've got a rising trend of prices over time so that you're more confident that you've made the right decision. And again, this is all about you know letting the market tell you that your thesis is correct. We have a thesis on Viacom. As an example, we think that fundamentally it's a great stock and that it should go higher over time. That's our thesis. Now the market has to prove that our thesis was correct. There's another thing to think about here, too. You and then we guarantee this. You will always be the last to know about what's going on with Viacom. There are much larger investors that know things about Viacom that you will not know until they're made public. So when you see selling in a stock that appears to be value, there are likely people in the know of something, right? Whatever that news or potential piece of data may be. So don't assume that just because the stock's beating up and it's trading at value that it can't get more beating up. There are things you don't know that the big dogs on Wall Street do know, right? That the big institutional mutual funds and investors do know. So that's why following the, the price and and setting risk limits is so vitally important to protect against what you don't know. And look, we all don't know a lot of things about Viacom here. We know what we know is what the world knows. So our knowledge is public knowledge. But what we don't know are things that some investors do know. And that's where you can see it in the trend, because they tend to be the marginal buyers that can dictate price. Yeah, and, and this is important. So, uh, you know, for instance, you know, talking about the technicals because that does, you know, hold up. And this is this is gonna be part of the confusing part as well is that when when the stock is really beaten up and it's the time to buy it, the technicals are gonna look terrible. <laughs> so, you know, part of this is also being able to judge the differential between terrible technicals that are beginning to improve versus just looking at technicals and go, oh, this is a horrible stock. Technically, it looks terrible. What you're looking for is the basis of those technicals beginning to change for the positive. Look, it's not an easy thing, and this is why managing your own money is always very difficult. But again, at SimpleVisor.com, we've provided a lot of those tools to try to help you out to manage your money better. But we're going to start using this as kind of a, 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 a series of, of talks on the show. It's about how to manage your own money better, how to do take a better control over doing it yourself, investing, um, and just you know letting you have some access to the experience that Mike and I have had, and really, honestly, the mistakes that we've made <laughs> over time about managing money. So I hope you help. I hope that helps. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions, get by the website. Send your questions, comments, and emails, realinvestmentadvice.com, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. For